Good day to you. Hope you're having a wonderful day. We are reading in the Gospel of John. The book of John, we're ready to read chapter 3. We had just read chapter 2, where Jesus had uh, gone to the wedding at Cana and changed the water to wine and had cleansed the temple. <coughs> and um, at the end of that, um, even though many believed in him, Jesus did not. He did not entrust himself to them, you know, because he knew what was in in man. He knew how fickle the crowd and people can be. So this is a, uh, <clears throat> I'm thinking of this again as a uh, foundational Bible study where we're reading through the Bible. We want to try to understand the context of, you know, the events, what's happening, uh, of what's being said, um, so that we will be stronger and more knowledgeable in our walk with the Lord. This is not an exhaustive, all-knowing, you know, uh, study and reference. Uh, it's, it's a simpler thing than that. This is a good starting point for us to get into more, uh, to get into more detailed areas, more, get into more knowledge as we go. And, uh, so, just wanted to just wanted to mention that uh, I try to mention that at the beginning of each session, so that we're reminded of what we're trying to accomplish. So that we're trying to get a good foundational understanding of what we're reading. Of uh, in this case, this is the Gospel of John. We want to get a good foundation and understanding of uh, of Jesus our Lord. And this is this is the fourth gospel. This is the last gospel. So. Again, we're in the book of John. This is chapter 3. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. <clears throat> now notice several things. Nicodemus is a Pharisee, um, a ruler of the Jews, so he's one of the council, I believe, or, well, they say that Joseph of Arathamea was uh, one of the council. This doesn't say he's one of the council, so I shouldn't say that. But, he's a man of the Pharisees, a ruler of the Jews. That just makes it sound like he's on their council, but I, I don't know that for sure. Um, but, nonetheless, he says, we know that you are a teacher come from God. So even if they didn't believe he was the Messiah, they still knew he was a, someone from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And that's because Jesus was his ministry. He was always healing people. He was always, you know, performing miracles. He was getting their attention. And, alright. So, verse 3. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, You must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. 
so it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. So Jesus is basically explaining baptism and how that is a rebirth in our lives. That is a rebirth we are putting aside our old life and, and, and understanding that it's just a starting point and that we still have a lot to learn and do at that point. But but is a rebirth and you are like a child in um, the kingdom of God. You're like a child... A spiritual child that's what I'm getting at you're like a spiritual child and you're just starting out and you're just starting to learn what you need to do and how you need to be and it just you know so that's how he's speaking of baptism he's comparing that to being reborn and, and I believe this is where we we say that you know you people need to be born again you know that's where we get born again Christian so it's from this idea so verse 9, Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know, and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things, and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. <clears throat> so basically, Jesus is saying, if, if I tell you these simple things, these earthly things, and you don't understand and you don't believe, then how are you going to ever believe anything more than that? You know, how are we ever going to get beyond that next step? Because you have to, you know, learning is always a process. And it always starts in a simple way. And then it moves forward and gets more complicated. And that's, that is exactly what he's alluding to here. If we don't learn the earthly things we need to learn to proceed and grow, then how are we going to learn you know, the spiritual and the more heavenly things? How are we going to do that? So we have to it is it is all a process and it all starts basically and you learn as you go it's just like with math you start out I'm sorry I'm, I'm more of a math person but you start as a child you start learning to count things and you know one plus one is two you have to learn all these basic principles before you can move up and then you're in let's say you're in high school and you're learning algebra and you start solving for X and Y and figuring out you know kind of the mathematical riddle you can't you can't do that if you don't have that that basic knowledge, that beginning point. And that's what Jesus is alluding to here. Now then, further down, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, well, he's talking about when Moses had a, uh, was it a bronze? I think it was a bronze serpent they put on a pole and that uh, the Israelites were being basically bitten by these snakes and anyone who was snake bitten they could look at that pole it was high enough that anyone could see it from I guess from anywhere where they were maybe maybe their camp or however you want to look at it and um, if they would look at that pole they would be saved and I can remember that from reading that as a kid and I can remember I know I've read this in John and stuff before but I've never quite made that connection as well as I have. Um, I don't 
know, in the past 10 years, understanding that that was, an, that was a practical prophecy of Jesus in a way. You know what I mean? It was an example of what was to come. Uh, some people would say a foreshadowing, but it's a uh, it's an example of something that you were going to see again, and that happens a lot. A lot of the things in the Old Testament you see again in the New Testament. So, all right. So, nonetheless, Jesus is telling him that he would be lifted up, that whoever believes in him would be saved. Whoever looks to him, whoever looks to the cross, whoever looks to Jesus and believes will be saved. So. You know, we'll have eternal life. I'm sorry. But to us, that is being saved. If you have eternal life, because without that, you know, at the end of time, um, you're, not, you're not going to have eternal life. All right. So then we get into Jesus is continuing. And this is uh, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Here again. Jesus explains it better than I do in one verse. Uh, verse 17, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world through him... No, sorry, I'm, I think I'm. my mind is flipping back to King James <laughs> Version. But in order... Let me just reread 17. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. So... Everybody knows John 3.16. Whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. I think 17 is equally important because I think the world does not, people who do not know God and Jesus, they do not realize that Jesus is here. He came to not condemn the world, but to save the world, that if they would believe on him, they would be saved. He's not here to condemn them and to mess with them in a, in a bad way. Um, and we also should not be here to condemn them. No. Instead, we should be here to try to... Uh, what's the right word? Uh, to, to maybe lovingly and logically persuade them to, to listen to the gospel and to, to think about it and to give them a chance to believe so that they would be saved. Does that make sense? That's a, if we go about it the other way where we're totally judgmental, and, and I admit any of us can be guilty of that, I can be guilty of uh, of being judgmental about certain things, and that's, that's really not where we ought to be. That's not what we should do. Everything should be done in love. All right, so verse 18. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Well, this is from a practical standpoint. This is just explaining the logic. If you believe in Jesus, you're not condemned. Okay? That means you believe in Jesus, you, you, you get baptized. Because if you believe, you're going to act out of faith on that. And you're going to be baptized. Um, and then you will have, you will not be condemned, you will have eternal life. But of course, if you do not believe, you are condemned already. Of course you are. I mean, that's the other side of the coin. This is just a logical, this is not to be mean, this is just a logical thing. 
Okay, so verse 19, and this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. This is a sad state of humans and how we are. Um, I don't even know if that needs really explaining. Jesus is the light. He comes into the world, and he offers them eternal life, and they would rather have the darkness, the evil, the bad things because their deeds were evil. Verse 20, For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come, to the, does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. Well, that is absolutely the way we are. We hate to accidentally have people find out the bad things we do, you know, that maybe it embarrasses us, or maybe, you know, or maybe it's just awful, you know. Um, some some people are different from others, so I'm trying to think of this in a like a as a normal person where you're just trying to be even even trying to be a good Christian. Well, you don't want everyone to always know every mistake you make, everything you do that you know that is wrong or is a, you commit a sin. You know, you don't want everything like that. So so even as Christians, sometimes we are guilty of thinking a little bit that way. Um, but definitely for those who are definitely doing what they what, what the Bible would call evil deeds or just living their life and doing whatever they want, being promiscuous and, um, and maybe just being a drunkard and being on drugs or, or maybe just the things you love. Maybe you just love uh, the, like I said, the promiscuous lifestyle, all the sex and everything, and you just don't want... You know, you don't want to be exposed, and you don't want to give that up. All right, verse 21. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his deeds have been carried out in God. Ah, and that's how we should be. That's how we should want to be. We should want to be true and carrying out good and and righteous acts we should be um, doing performing acts of charity and doing good things and teaching people about God and the Lord and then we don't mind if everybody sees and knows that we don't mind that's fine let everybody know and see that we do that so that's what we should focus on is all these good things and John and I mean not John Peter no not Peter either in one of the epistles Paul mentions mentions that as far as focusing on good things and letting our acts be, you know, uh, good things. Anyway, um, so we're moving on to verse 22. Um, after this, Jesus and his disciples went into the Judean countryside. Now it says after this. Now this was after he spoke to Nicodemus by night, okay? Because Nicodemus came to him by night and they had this conversation or Jesus told him these things. So after this, Jesus and his disciples went into the Judean countryside, and he remained there with them and was baptizing. So Jesus did baptize people. That was a question I think I had previously, and I thought that he and his disciples did baptize people. But I just wanted to check. I'm, it's nice to have that confirmed through the word because I wasn't sure if I was remembering correctly. Excuse me, I had to have a little something wet there. Okay. 
So John was also baptizing at Anon near Salim because water was plentiful there, and the people were coming and being baptized, for John had not yet been put in prison. So this was early in Jesus' ministry, and he and John were still active at the same time. There was some overlap here. Now a discussion arose between some of John's disciples and a Jew over purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you across the Jordan, to whom you bore witness, look, he is baptizing, and all are going to him. John answered, A person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. If you think about it, I mean even just in a logical way, this makes sense that Jesus' ministry must grow and it must become greater. And John's must necessarily decrease and, and kind of drop off. Um, so that they're not accidentally competing and not confusing people. Jesus is the Messiah, and John was the one who came before him to prepare people to hear the word, to hear about them, you know, to, to know the Messiah and know that he was coming. And they say the Christ, and I just, I just always think of, you know, the Messiah, the Savior. So, um... Verse 31, He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth belongs to the earth and speaks in an earthly way. He who comes from heaven is above all. He bears witness to what he has seen and heard, yet no one receives his testimony. Whoever receives his testimony sets his seal to this, that God is true. For he whom God has seen utters the words of God. For he gives the Spirit without measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Now that is the end of chapter 3, but I want to notice in these final things, John is pretty much, and we're speaking of John the Baptist here, John the Baptist is pretty much repeating what Jesus had told Nicodemus, in a way. Because he says, the Father loves the Son, has given all things into his hand. Okay, but let's pick up with 36. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey... Oh, and now my pages are sticking together. Pardon me. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Now, notice he doesn't say, in this case, there is a difference. In that he doesn't say whoever does not believe shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. He says whoever does not obey. Well, the reason... For that, while that seems different, if you just take a moment and think about it logically, of course, if you don't believe, you're not going to obey. So it's basically the same thing. But there's also the fact that some people will believe, such as some other Pharisees and some of the council, 
they believed that Jesus was the Messiah or at least a prophet but they still did not or maybe could not prevent what happened to him and maybe they could not maybe they could not have prevented it regardless because that was the plan so you know not trying to not trying to question the plan in any way I don't mean it that way just that in their hearts they knew that Jesus was at least a prophet Nicodemus says as much there so anyway so John was kind of repeating um, John 3.16 in a, in a different way because whoever believes in the Son has eternal life because if you believe in Jesus you're going to act on that and you're going to be baptized and then you're going to try to live a life according to the example that Jesus set for us That's that makes perfect sense and then whoever does not obey well if you don't obey and even if you claim to believe and yet you still don't obey the word and follow Jesus example do you really believe I would say not even though you claim you do so so John here was explaining to his disciples how he was going to decrease and how Jesus was going to increase and that's true Jesus ministry was increasing Jesus was becoming famous already Nicodemus and and the Pharisees were aware of him so and this was early this was early in his ministry but he performed such great miracles healing people all the time and there's so many accounts even in the other Gospels where it just simply says things like and he healed them all and it's like wow uh, I mean it says it like it's just a matter of fact and I know when I was younger and I would read through here sometimes I would just miss and gloss over that but it's it's really a big deal alright so that is the end of chapter 3 and I should not try to belabor the points there I think Jesus makes the points very well so thank you for listening hope you have a wonderful day and God bless you